It's your boy Charlie. This is the last installment of Grilling 101 where I go through a lot of questions and I give you some tips, tricks, and stuff you should not ever do. Stay tuned. Let your conscience be free. You now roll with the dude named MAV. Relax yourself. Let your conscience be free. You now roll with the dude named MAV. Relax yourself. Let your conscience be free. You now roll with the dude named MAV. Relax yourself. Let your conscience be free. You now roll with the dude named MAV. Welcome back to the show. My name's Charlie Maverick. So, in this installment of Grilling 101, I've compiled a list of the most asked questions about what to do, what not to do, and certain techniques. And we're gonna go through a lot. So there is a lot of information to go through, so we're not gonna waste any time. I hope you guys are ready. Take notes, get your popcorn ready. I hope you're riding your car if you can, because COVID has you locked up and you wanna get out. I hope you, you sit around a nice campfire. I'm just kidding, no campfire. But I hope this is informative and, uh, you know, let's just get to it. Why waste time? First question is, what are the best cuts of meat for grilling? The answer is going to be ribs, pork ribs to be exact. No matter if it's baby back or if it's spare ribs, that's just my go-to, my preference. That's what I started you know, grilling with. Uh, I do like larger cuts of meat though, like uh, pork butt, Boston butt. I don't really grill brisket. I don't really do steaks that often. Um, unless it's just that occasion. And then my second favorite is going to be uh, chicken, chicken wings. You know, chicken wings, chicken legs, something like that. And that's just my favorite. Um, others have different types of cuts of meat that they like most. You know, some people just grill steaks all the time. Uh, some people, you know, tend to do larger cuts of meat like brisket all the time. That's not my favorite because it is so time-consuming but my favorite is always going to be ribs always and what you want to look out for ribs is how much fat it has on it the leanness of it and you can kind of look and see with the packaging how good a quality is going to be I typically don't like Publix's um, you know meat in general so I would stay away from that. Some of you guys don't like Smithfield right now because of the COVID thing that popped up. But always um, look and examine whatever cut of meat that you're getting to see if it's to your liking. And if you do have questions about the quality of it, ask your butcher. He might actually trim it up for you or give you a suggestion of what is better quality in terms of what you want to make. Now, again, the higher quality, the higher the price. So expensive cuts of meat aren't the end all be all, but you really want to look at what you want in terms of the cut of meat. It could, it, when it comes to steak, it could be ribeye, it could be New York strip, porterhouse, but whatever you like, just see based on what's available, what is the best quality in your eyes? Because what is good for me might not be good for you. It's all about feel, right? All right. Now, once you get that cut of meat home and you're prepping the meat, I would suggest that you take time, examine the meat, see if it's really fatty, see if it has dangling parts of it that really doesn't need to be there, like extra fat just dangling. 
and take time to trim it up. If it's not for presentation, do it for the flavor. So I said fat means flavor. Yes, it said that, but too much fat will not render down. So let's say for ribs. You might need to look at the front of the ribs and say, eh, there's a lot of fat on this part. Some fat is not going to render down if it's too thick. It will not absorb flavor. It would be too fatty and you're like, oh, you get a mouthful of fat. You don't want to do that. Also, the membrane on the back of the ribs. Okay, so this is personal preference. A lot of people will take the membrane off of back of pork ribs. I grew up on the membrane being on. The thing is that membrane on will not help absorb seasoning on the back of the ribs. So you'll just be seasoning that part of the ribs and it's just going to sit there and do nothing. Yeah. Or it's going to just season the surface of it, but it's not going to penetrate the actual meat. All right. So what I would do is take a butter knife, get up under the like one of the ribs, the thicker part of the ribs and see if you can pull that layer of membrane up. After you get it to a point where you can put your finger in it, you're going to take a paper towel, grip it, and then pull it slowly until you get that whole membrane off. Now, this takes practice, and I would say spare ribs is very temperamental, and baby backs, you'll probably get it off in one simple pull, but take your time and do that. Why I like to do it, again, it helps the seasoning like penetrate the meat better uh it gives you better bites or if you don't want to take it off just leave it on that's personal preference now let's say you got a pork butt pork butts and let's say brisket they have what they call fat caps some people like to leave them off some people like to leave them on all right so what i like to do is i like to take the top layer of the fat cap, and you'll, you'll know what the fat cap is because it's, it's white, okay? And I like to cut it like halfway through. The fat cap is the part that is hard. It, you can, you can't, it's hard to get the knife through. You, you kind of figure out what it is or have your butcher uh, help you identify it or look at a YouTube video and see, hey, this is fat cap. So I like to cut that part off and leave the connective fat tissue on there so it would, one, protect the meat and then render down to give it more flavor. If you leave the fat cap on, my opinion, you don't get a lot of penetration of seasoning. So some people like to leave it on there just to protect the meat. I don't, I, I really don't. So that's personal preference. Let's say you have a steak. Uh, okay, so a lot of people just take steaks out of the packaging and just throw it on the grill. What I found is you probably need to trim that steak up a little bit too. It has that little dangling piece at the, you know, the, the smaller part of it. You kind of want to cut that off, shape it up real nicely. You have like this, this um, again, fat cap that is on like the edge of it. And you're like, oh yeah, that's great. That will not render down the way that you think it will unless you tilt it on that side and on direct heat and let that thing render down. So it might be really chewy, fatty. Some people like it. I don't like fat. Again, fat is flavor, but too much, yeah, you don't need it. So clean it up a little bit. Take time to clean up your meat. Now, butchering is an advanced skill, but trimming, just take your time and trim to your liking. 
you might not want to do anything to it. But me personally, I like to just examine it, you know, cut it, trim it down, make it look good before I apply seasoning to it. Next question is about seasoning. What's the best seasoning to use? Now, this is going to be subjective because the people have different, you know, palates in terms of, you know, how they like taste. But I would always tell anyone, no matter what cut of meat, as long as it's not seafood, I would say your basic seasoning would be salt, pepper, and garlic. Now, you might hear some pit masters you know, call this SPG, that's what they're talking about. The base of it is salt, pepper, garlic powder. You can't go wrong if you just use that. So if you're scared to venture off into the land of, you know, rubs, then you stick with that and then build from there. Get a little bit more adventurous. Now, for pork, I do like, there's a brand called, excuse the name of it, it's called Butt Rub. <laughs> I find it in Walmart. I gotta laugh every time I say that. I find it in Walmart and it's a really, really good rub. I tried a lot of rubs, but that one is perfect for pork no matter what size of the cut. So I, I use that sometimes on ribs. I use that sometimes on pork butt whenever I can find it. I like to try different things and you're going to have to try different things to see what you like and just apply it to what you like in terms of taste now in terms of chicken chicken is more like okay you get a poultry seasoning use as a rub or you can kind of use you know a pork rub on there now be mindful of how you like the taste of the rub before you put it on the meat. If you don't like the taste of the rub before you put it on the meat, you're probably not gonna like it once it's cooked down. So taste the rub, see how much um, rub you need to put on there. Is it a strong taste? What do you feel that it's going to taste better with? You can kind of get an idea of, hey, maybe I shouldn't put this rub on this cut of meat. Uh, So just be careful. Now, in terms of beef, so beef beef is very versatile i wouldn't use a pork rub on beef i wouldn't use a poultry rub on beef but you they are transferable if you don't want a heavy a flavor beef rubs tend to be the more aggressive in terms of flavoring so again you got to feel your way out but at the end of the day the thing that will not steer you wrong is salt pepper and garlic powder Build from there, take your time. You gotta you got you got feel your way out with that. Just with everything, it's personal preference. So there's no right or wrong, unless whoever you're feeding really doesn't like that shit. Once you pick your seasoning, you gotta see how you want to actually season the meat. Now, rule of thumb with this is the thicker cut of meat can take more seasoning. So I wouldn't take something like a, a chicken wing, chicken leg, and go heavy on rub it's going to probably be too salty or have too much of whatever flavor that dominates that rub. If you have like a pork butt or a brisket, you can load it on there, do a thick rub, and all it's going to do is it's going to permeate that meat and go deeper into the actual cut so it can handle it. So the thicker the cut, 
the more seasoning it can handle, but still be aware of how much salt that you're putting on your cut of meat. You never want anything to be too salty. It's always better to undersalt it in terms of content rather than oversalt it because you can't you can't dial the salt back. You can always add something on or you know substitute the salt with some type of you know a sauce that would have a sugar in it and it would bring out more of the flavor but be very mindful i've over seasoned some meat in the beginning and you kind of learn the hard way so take it from me examine how you would normally you know season meat if you put it in the oven and try there and build off of that don't do too much if it's your first time. You can always add more on, but you can't take it off. You know, if that makes uh, sense. Uh, the next thing is binder. Okay, there's a big argument going on about binders, binders, binders. What I use is binder. Do I use mustard? Mustard doesn't give any you know additional flavor. Do I use Worcestershire sauce? Do I use soy sauce? I would say um, I would start off with not using a binder because binders aren't necessary. Let's say you got a cut of meat, you, you dried it off, and this is, this, keep note to that drying off part, and you're going, uh, I say pat it dry, in terms of drying it off, don't wipe it off, you know, just like, you know, all that. So, uh, once you put the rub or whatever seasoning that you're gonna put on there, uh, take your hand and press that seasoning in there really hard. So you can make sure it sticks. If you do that, you won't need a binder because you're pressing the meat, you're pressing the actual seasoning into the meat and let it sit for a little bit. Let that thing soak in and you can see when the seasoning is starting to make uh, the, the surface of the meat a little wet and that means that it's actually permeating and it's going to stick to the meat. You can put the meat back in the fridge if you want, or leave it covered on your countertop while it does this. Once you heat, once while you're heating up your grill, you know this is going to be the time where you just let that sit. And by the time you're at the, you know, the heat level on the grill that you want, then it's ready to put on. So don't rub the rub. I know it's called rub, but don't ever rub your rub on there. Don't ever take your hand or a brush and rub it. It's going to cause uneven seasoning distribution or it's going to really, really take away from all that rub that you put on there. You're just gonna spread it in one place and you're like, okay, what happened? You want that layer of seasoning to stick the same way that you applied it while you were putting it on there. I hope that makes sense. All right, let's move on. Next question is, how do you smoke instead of grill? Well, all right. So although the terms can be used interchangeably, there is a temperature range on your grill and you're gonna to have to learn how to manage your temperature to smoke your meat. Um, I would say typically between 250 and 275 degrees, maybe top off at a 300, depending on how fast you wanna cook your meat. That is going to be the smoking temp range. You can take it all the way down to 225 if you want, but it's gonna take you forever and ever and ever to cook your meat. Also, uh, don't be scared about cooking your meat at a higher temperature. Now, okay, 
let me not complicate this for you, all right? Some people cook between temp and time. Others cook with feel and appearance. And so you have to learn how your grill operates. You gotta learn the instrument that you're using. You have to take into account of elements, how fast you want this to cook. If you cook it fast, are you gonna get the same results as you would with a lower temperature? So let's talk about smoking first, okay? Smoking is basically done indirect. What does indirect mean? Okay, so no matter what temperature you have your grill at, let's say you have a offset smoker where the, you know, the part where you put the charcoal or wood is off to the side, that's what I call an offset. Or let's say that you have like a Weber kettle that you can uh, place your heat off to a different side than you place your meat on. So indirect is just how it sounds. You don't cook directly on the flame. Okay, so let's say that you have like a pit barrel cooker or a Weber Smoky Mountain, something like that. Okay, so those are smokers by nature. Okay, so no matter um, what you do, it is primarily going to be a smoker. Now, you control the temperature with your vents, and that is really important. Even if you are doing indirect, how you keep track of how long the progress is going with your meat is knowing how to control your vents. That's really important. So if you want to stick to the temperature of 250, 275, top off at maybe 300, you're going to have to practice on you know the, the managing of your vents the top and bottom vent or whatever setup that you have it's really important so when you do a barrel cooker or a Weber Smoky Mountain type thing you're not really cooking indirect you're basically cooking at a higher level away from the heat that is going to cause your meat not to you know, cook quickly and how you control the heat and keep it from actually cooking too fast or burning is you're going to control the lower and higher vents or however your you know your smoker is set up and the lower the temperature is the longer your meat is going to take to cook now let's say you want to grill and this is everything is basically grilling because you're putting it on a grill but grilling is more of a direct approach let's say you're doing hamburgers hot dogs and you're putting directly on the flame it's usually done at a higher temperature get it a higher temperature and you're going to sear meat that way or you're going to you know cook it really really fast like a steak you're going to cook a steak mainly on direct heat if you want to precisely manage the doneness and progress of the doneness you might want to switch to indirect and direct you might want to get a good sear on the steak and you might want to take it off the direct heat and then manage, like cook it like an oven to get it to the doneness that you want so you don't overcook it or undercook it. So you, you you just have to play around with it. There's different techniques. They call it a reverse sear. If you, you know, cook it like an oven indirect and then sear it directly on the heat, that's called a reverse sear. So you gotta play around um, with that type of technique to see which is best for you. So 
I would say grilling is going to be, and they, you know, some people call it barbecue uh, temperatures, is going to be about 300 and higher. Now you can still barbecue, you know, or grill at a higher temperature and still do indirect cooking it's just going to cook like an oven. So it's not going to smoke per se. Okay, so let's let's revisit the whole smoke thing. Okay, so smoking is also is a technique, but you have to have a couple of different things with it. Primarily smoking is done with some wood. You know, you put wood in there and that's gonna give you the wood smoke. If you don't have wood, you can use a wood type fuel like lump charcoal or briquettes and they have some type of a wood content of flavor so you can use that to get some type of smokiness now if you have a pellet grill that's all you're going to get is smoke that is set up to be a smoker and a grill secondary and just just know the terms can be used interchangeably but smoking is never at a higher temperature so if anybody asks you hey did you smoke that uh, yeah, I cooked it low and slow. Low and slow is smoking. Hot and fast is typically grilling or barbecue. Hope that made sense. Hi, let's move on. Next question is, how do you keep the fire from burning out? Okay, so this is a, let me break it down by grill type. Okay, so Kamado and a barrel cooker so let me break down Kamado real quick. A Kamado grill is like a big green egg of Jumbo Joe, something like that. That is like a, it's a egg shaped type grill that you put the coal in at the bottom, just like a barrel. And then you put the grill grate on and then you grill like that. You usually don't, you know, add more fuel during the process of cooking because it's a headache to do. I mean, you can do it, but it's a super badass headache. All right. So you have to take the meat off. You have to take the grill grate off. You have to add more fuel to it. So it's just a headache. So what you want to do is find out how much fuel you need to put on there before you even start. Rule of thumb for these type grills, you want to just fill up the area to its maximum capacity. These type grills are very efficient with using fuel. So I wouldn't try to you know, make it too hard on yourself. Just fill it up. And then if you if you have leftover charcoal after your cook, then just knock the ash off the next time that you're you know going to cook and it'll be there for you to continue using. So I wouldn't try to make it complicated with that. So if you have a pit barrel cooker, if you have a, a Weber Smoky Mountain, which is basically a, a barrel cooker, or if you have a Kamado type grill, like a char grill, acorn, um, big green egg, just fill it up to its capacity and then keep using it until it runs out of replace. You know, it'll last you through the whole cook. Typically those cookers are so efficient to where you wouldn't even have to worry about adding more fuel to it unless you're cooking a brisket for over 10 hours. Now, okay, that's a whole nother thing. Good luck with that. And I would say if you're going to cook uh, a piece of meat that long, uh, that kind of gives a little anxiety. You know, like if you're out all day and you have your cell phone with you, no charger, you get battery anxiety, like how long is this going to last? And you, t you kind of learn the behavior of your battery. You kind of learn the behavior of your fuel consumption over time to say, hey, 
totally comfortable with this long cook. I don't have to worry about, you know, adding more fuel to it. Okay, so that's covered. Now, let's say that you have a offset smoker or a, a Weber kettle where you have like a smoking, uh, slow and sear, or you have the uh, charcoal baskets and you're cooking indirect, of course, right? So uh, you want to uh, replenish those charcoal after a while. So you kind of gauge how long it's going to take for that fuel to burn out. You're gonna check your meat anyway, periodically. So if you see it getting too low, just top it off. Now, with both type of cookers, you're going to have to learn how to manage temperatures. It's all about managing temperatures because if you cook too high of temperature, it's going to, of course, use fuel faster. The other part is, especially, especially with your, your the, controlling the vents, is the more charcoal you have in the cooker, the higher the temperature it's going to produce. So the fire is going to be hotter, especially if you use um, uh, the, the lump charcoal, okay? Lump charcoal typically burns at a hotter temperature than briquettes, like the Kingsford stuff, right? So you have to be mindful of how to control the temperatures based on how much charcoal you have in there. Now it's pretty easy to make sure that the fire doesn't go out. Don't close the vents down, totally. Okay, you can keep them cracked, but if you close both vents down, you can keep one or the other open, the top, bottom, or whatever, how many other vents you got. But if you close both of them down, that's basically shutting the grill off and it's going to dissipate and smother the fire and you're not gonna have any fire anymore. Or if you just fall asleep and you f totally forget to put more <laughs> more fuel in there, it's gonna burn out. You're like, why is my meat not done? Because uh, you didn't add more fuel, dummy. All right, so I hope that makes sense. Next. All right, the next question is about steak. <laughs> Who doesn't like steak? I don't like steak that much, but anyway. <laughs> so grilling steaks. How do you keep them tender without burning or undercooking? All right, so it all goes back to temperature of doneness with steak, okay? So let's say you're cooking inside. You you, you kind of figured out in the skillet or whatever pan you're cooking in, how long you need to cook it to the certain doneness that you want, all right? So let's go through the temperatures of doneness just so you know and we'll go for different techniques from there, okay? So let's say if you want medium rare, all right? So medium rare is going to be 130 degrees, between 130 degrees and 135 degrees. The inside or the center color is going to be pink, all right? So I'm not covering rare because, uh, I don't know who eats steak rare, I mean, some people eat steak rare, but it's basically, you're basically getting a good sear on the steak and then you're taking it off. So whatever, done. you're not worried about doneness right there. You're taking it off, getting, getting a nice crust on it. You're taking it off and eating it bloody. All right, anyway, so that's medium rare. Medium is the uh, doneness that I like. And that, that keeps it juicy and you have some pink in the middle. The temperature with that is between 135 and 145 degrees, okay? Now, I don't uh, suggest that you cook beyond that, 
at least on the grill. And if you take a temperature probe and you see that it's 145, take it off. Matter of fact, if you wanted a perfect medium, take it off at 135 and let it rest. That carry over cooking because it's going to keep cooking because it has heat on it. Let it let it rest for a little bit and it's going to get to 145 or maybe 140, but you're going to give that perfect doneness. So, OK, before I continue with the rest of the temperatures, you want to always take the steak off at the low end of the temperature range. And while it's resting, it's going to get to the precise temperature that you want. Got it? Because you want your meat to rest to keep the juices in it. You never want to take your steak off and then cut into it immediately. You want it to keep that moisture in it. You, you know how you went to a restaurant or you cooked your own steak and as soon as it came off the heat, you cut into it and all the juices come spilling out. Okay, and then some of it's dry. Yeah, that's going to happen. So just let it sit for about five minutes. You're like, Charlie's getting cold though. Eh, just cover it or something, okay? Just cover it. But let it get a chance to rest just like you would with a brisket or just like you would with a pork butt. Just let it rest. And I'll say that with ribs too. Let your meat rest to retain that moisture. All right. Now, why I pause right there in the middle of the temperature ranges of doneness is because if you go past medium you may be ruining a very expensive cut of meat like a a very expensive ribeye or whatever you know <laughs> i don't want ever a steak to be cooked well or well done some people don't like pink in the middle i say you're drying the steak out the further the temperature goes with steak, you're going to be drying it out, okay? I, I'll just put it like that, but it's personal preference, right? So well is going to be 145 to 155. That's going to have uh, silver or very, very, very super light pink. You have to look for the pink, okay? Now, <laughs> well done is going to be it's going to be dry. In my opinion, you're ruining the piece of meat. It's dry. Okay? So there's no pink at all. It's 155 to 165 degrees. <sighs> Man, you know, sometimes you overshoot it and you're going to do that a lot because you, you just got to learn how to manage the temperatures, how long to keep it on each side. Not every steak is created the same. Some are thick, some are thin. So shorter times before flipping you know, opposed to others. So you have to feel it out. Now, what I like to do, what I like to do to ensure that I get the doneness that I most like is to have a combination, and I think I mentioned this before, to have a sear on it, which is gonna be on direct heat on the fire. Okay, so let me back up, let me back up. So whether I do the cook on my Kamado grill, which is not necessarily doing indirect, or if I'm doing it on my Weber kettle, which I can for sure do indirect, you want to position your coals on a certain side of the grill. And it doesn't matter what type of grill you have. It doesn't matter if you have a, a, a propane grill. You want to have heat on one side, if you can do that, and then have a, a cooler side with no fuel on 
the opposite side. You want to sear on the direct heat, get a nice, you know, grill marks on it. Don't keep it on there too long. And then put it on indirect and take a, a temperature probe or a instant read thermometer, which is a couple of the tools that I mentioned on having the right tools for the job on the previous installment and check that temperature. Don't be scared or don't feel embarrassed that you have to use these tools to get the temperature that you like. A lot of times you can't eyeball the thing. If I, every time I try to super eyeball the, the doneness of steak and steak is either thick thin or, you know, has better marbling. So, you know, it gets done a little bit slower because of the fat and or let's say if it's lean, you, you don't want to have the mistake of making every steak in your mind equal in terms of cook procedures. You want to use the tools that you have to get the best product possible. Now, that covers the done the temperature of steak and it covers the technique to use. Now, I wouldn't uh, suggest uh, putting any uh, barbecue sauce or steak sauce on the steak um, unless you are monitoring it on the direct heat. Why? Because the sugars in that sauce, whatever it is, is going to caramelize and it may burn your steak if you're not watching it. So keep an eye on your steak, please. All right, so we covered steak, right? All right, now we're going to chicken doneness. All right, all right, so it's real easy, right? Chicken doneness, white meat, 160 to 165 degrees. That's gonna give you the most juiciest chicken. Now you do not want to cook it under that because that is underdone chicken. You don't want to serve underdone chicken. What I like to do is overshoot it a little bit and get it to 170. Just to be on the safe side, use your temperature probe or instant read thermometer. Please don't serve undercooked chicken. Dark meat can take a little bit more heat. So what I what the range is of doneness is 170 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. All these are Fahrenheit, people. Um, and I, again, I like to overshoot it a little bit. So once it gets to, let's say the white meat is to about 163, I take it off, carryover temperature is gonna get it you know, where I want to once it sits for a little bit. If I'm grilling dark meat, which is basically what I do most of the time, is I get it to that 170 or 175 and I just let it carry over then. You want to monitor that because if you go over 180, this is going to start drying out the dark meat. If you go over 165 while still on the grill, it's going to start drying out the white meat. And you know, you know chicken breast is very temperamental, especially on the grill, and you don't want to be the person that serves dry chicken breast. <sighs> Jeez, I hate that. Next is how to actually cook the chicken. My Mine is, uh, procedure is indirect cooking, you know, not on the direct heat, but at a high temperature. So I do about 400 and I do indirect. And what that's going to do is it's going to give you a really good product in terms of chicken without burning the chicken. Because it's indirect, you still gotta watch it, it's probably going to take you around 45 minutes 
maybe 35, 45 minutes, tops hour, unless you're actually smoking the chicken. And follow the procedures, how smoking is, you gotta keep it moist because it will dry out on you if you don't keep the surface of the meat moist. So get you a sprayer. Again, I covered that in the previous installment. Make sure that you're you're monitoring it. Uh, fish, all right. I don't cook seafood on the grill often, but you just gotta stand over it and it makes sure that you know you're good. Okay, so you don't want to put your fish directly on the grill grate. Don't put your fish directly on the grill grate. Let's say you use a, a foil, that use foil, and let's say maybe you wanna use like a foil packet. Wrap it up in foil, have a little vent on it, put some lemon or whatever at the bottom of the fish so it protects the bottom of it. You can cook it indirectly, you can cook it direct, whatever you want. But you want a barrier between the fish and the heat. Whatever that barrier is, use that barrier because you don't want to have an expensive cut of fish and just have that thing sticking to the grill and you just messed up some fish, okay? Does that make sense? Hi. A really quick tip, um, because there is a question about how do you avoid your meat sticking to the grill? Really quick, okay, so easiest thing to do is make sure that your grill grate is sprayed down with oil. You wanna make sure that you lubricated the grill grate so nothing would stick to it. As I said in the previous installment, um, olive oil spray is gonna be your best friend. Spray it down with the grill grate after you clean off the grill and that would help your meat not stick. Other thing that really happens with you know sticking is chicken. Uh, we have a tendency to put uh, chicken directly on you know the, the flame and chicken tends to stick because of the moisture of the skin. So there's a couple of things that you can do to avoid chicken from sticking. One is make sure that you really dry off the chicken before you put the seasoning on there and avoid as much moisture as possible on that chicken before you put it on the grill if you're gonna do it on direct flame or cook indirect. I like to do indirect because it never causes the chicken to stick. Okay, so just wanted to put that tip out there because I've seen this happen a lot. A lot of people, so, so a lot of people would actually put foil on the grill grate to keep the chicken from sticking. Hmm, don't like that because you might as well just cook it in the oven because it's not gonna absorb that grill flavor that you know it should. Now, here's another thing that I do use and I said this in my previous uh, uh, Grilling 101, is I use a oven uh, roast pan, or however, the roaster, whatever. It's, I don't know if it's a roaster. Broiler pan, here it is, broiler pan. And I put water in the bottom of the pan, I put the chicken on the top, where it actually has like a, kind of like the grill type top to it, I cover it, and it doesn't matter if it's on direct heat or indirect heat, it's not on the grill grate, so it's not gonna stick. So that's the perfect combination. And, and as soon as you get it steamed and all the flavor in it to what you're liking, just put it, and you gotta watch it now because the chicken will still stick if you don't have the grill grate um, greased up enough. So you need that moist, you need that oil barrier between your meat and 
They grow great, especially, especially, especially if you're using cast iron grill grates. I still make the mistake sometimes of forgetting this and then chicken does stick. So I hope that helps uh, you guys out with that. All right, next. We're towards the end of this installment of Grilling 101. Now what we gotta cover is what not to do. We covered the tips. We covered, you know, tricks here and there. But here's what you really don't wanna do, okay? <laughs> and I hope this helps you as much as possible, okay? Number one, all right, so let me let me preface this by saying I'm not dissing anybody that does this, okay? It is, it is a is a slight pet peeve of mine, so don't take it the wrong way, but you gotta learn that you, okay, so if you're cooking on a grill, no matter if it's gas or charcoal or pellet, please, 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 for the love of ham, <laughs> don't put liquid smoke on your marinade or anywhere on your meat. The purpose of you cooking on the grill is it's going to get smoke no matter what you do. You don't want to double that. Uh, a lot of people don't like liquid smoke. I don't like it. I would only suggest it if you need to use it. I would only suggest it if you're cooking in an oven or an indoor device that you can't get charcoal or you know a grill type flavor on even propane grills gas will give you a grill flavor because it would it would produce smoke it will just give it time and if you have a truck if you have a propane grill you can get one of those smoking tubes or a smoke box to put the wood in put it on the flame and you get smoke that way please 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 for the love of ham do not use liquid smoke because the people that you serve this to will hate you and they will never trust you to cook again. Whew. I feel better. <clears throat> I feel better. All right, so you gotta, you, you gotta be careful when you're cooking um, with sauces, okay? At the end of every cook, there is some type of glaze or sauce put on there. And okay, so there's two things you, you don't wanna do with sauce. You don't wanna over sauce your meat because it gives the impression to the um, the refined palate people that god dang you just drench this in sauce why don't you just dip it in sauce and you put it out all right all right don't do that the next thing is if you put sauce on or a glaze be mindful that sugar burns most sauces, even the sugar-free ones, they have some type of molasses in there, which has a, uh, the burning process will first caramelize, then it will burn. You don't want to burn your meat. So if you use sauce, which a lot of people do, doesn't matter if it's on hamburgers, chicken, anything, please, please, please be careful of how the progress of your cooking is going. Don't put the sauce in, put it on the grill and just walk away. Hey, you gotta keep an eye on it. It's gonna burn on you and you're gonna hate yourself and whoever's gonna eat your food is gonna hate you also, okay? Don't turn your meat too much. They say if you ain't look, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. I don't agree with that per se, but I would say don't move any type of meat too much. 
Why I say that is sometimes you get the feeling that this meat might stick. All right, a lot of the times you just gotta be patient and you just got to let the meat release from the grill. Even if you have moisture on the meat and you're getting the impression that it's sticking, you have to learn this over time that sometimes it will be fine once it gets to a certain point and it would release from the grill. Something you just gotta learn, all right? If you turn meat too much, it's, it might fall apart on you. To be honest with you, you don't you don't want to get the, you don't want to turn your steak too much. You may get uneven, you know, doneness on it on certain sides. You don't want definitely want to turn fish at all or flip it unless you have one of those specialized baskets because you're gonna get fish. It's gonna fall straight through the grate. You gotta like Charlie hate you, but I told you, I told you, I told you not to do it. I told you. All right. Also, the other thing with that is if you let's say you have a rub on your meat or any type of seasoning that you want to stay in place and you did this nice work of seasoning it and pressing it in there, even with a binder, without a binder, whatever, and you move the meat too much with tongs or your hands and that rub did not stick to the meat yet and you're moving it around. Eh, well, you're going to have to reapply some rub because it's going to rub off of the meat hmm yeah I would say if you can avoid it and a lot of people still use this if you can avoid it if you can avoid it please avoid using lighter fluid I've used lighter fluid a lot of years okay I had to learn myself there is a uh, a combustion or a chemical uh, exhaust that is given off. First of all, if you're using charcoal or any type of grill, it's having uh, certain carcinogens go into the meat anyway. What you do, what you want to do is you want to lessen the amount of chemicals that would be subjected to the meat. Now, okay, let's say if you can't avoid using lighter fluid. This is the only, Charlie, this is the only thing I have. Only thing I have. Let me not demonize lighter fluid because it has been the staple of barbecuing for decades. What you want to do if you have to use lighter fluid is wait until the coals are white hot. Don't do anything beforehand because you want to make sure that all that fuel has cooked off or burned off of the charcoal and you're getting nothing but hot charcoal emissions, okay? Please, 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 just trust me on this. Now, the alternative, and I mentioned this in the previous installment, is if you have a charcoal grill, specifically, <laughs> I mean, if you have a gas grill, you're not using lighter fluid. Please don't use lighter fluid, oh God. Okay, if you have a charcoal grill, which is this is this is basically meant for then the alternative is using a chimney charcoal chimney or if you don't want to use a charcoal chimney and you blah 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 you use like a wax or a tumbleweed uh, starter and use a lighter light it go about your way be done with it also there's another cool tool it's a um, it's an electric uh, starter. It's like an iron. It's like a, it's like a hook iron 
that you can plug into electricity, obviously, and it would it's it's basically like a hot iron, and you place it at a certain point in the coals, buried in there a little bit. You'll see the instructions on it, and it would light your charcoal in a matter of a, about ten minutes. It'll get it white hot. Now this is the most, I guess efficient way to do it if you can if you want to do that just make sure that you place it right so the handle which is plastic usually doesn't burn off while you're doing it <laughs> you got to be careful with this stuff people because the grill's gonna get real hot and the big 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 thing is don't rush do not rush if you try to rush you're going to get stressed out and a stressed out cook, it reflects on your finished product. Take your time. If people are like, how long is it going to take for the meat to be done? Tell them to go back inside and chill. Or you have to prepare with good time management to say, I got this cut of meat. I kind of figure out how long it's going to take to cook. I should start this much earlier before people are ready to eat so they're not asking you the question of how long it's going to take to cook. Because a lot of the times you want to have an alignment with you know food being done so you don't have to reheat it so everything is done at the same time for serving. Now it is good to have that conversation of how long it's going to take. You can't really you can't please don't promise people that food is going to be done at a certain time especially if you're smoking. There's too many factors in the environment, meaning wind, vent, thickness of meat, doneness you want to get to, to where you cannot accurately predict off the top of your head how long the meat is going to take to be done. Take your time and have a couple of drinks. You know, just just chill, man. Just chill. The other thing is, um, let's say, <laughs> let's say you have a, a gas grill or let's say you just want to use lighter fluid. Please, please, please don't put your head over where the light or where the flame is going to ignite. Okay. Don't do that. I've seen people, I've seen this, especially at the park. I've seen this. Yeah. Put the lighter fluid on there or in somebody's house. You, you, you light the grill, you, you're trying to press the igniter, and you're like, click, 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 click. I don't, I don't see any flame. And they put their head over the area where the flames will come out. Holy crap, wait until you see the look on their face when they realize they almost singed all the eyebrows off. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it's, it's kind of funny, okay? Don't do that, okay? Um, the other thing, the other thing is don't over season. As I mentioned earlier, you got to figure out, you got to build on flavors. You got to build on flavors and you can't really taste the meat as it going along. You, you just can't do that like you can with sauces and stuff like that. So you have to understand the thickness and the seasoning distribution. Okay. Don't over season your meat because you can't come back from that. It's not like you can like soak it or whatever in water, add more water to it, and it's gonna be okay. 
you you have to learn to not have over-seasoned or salty-ass meat. Nobody wants that. Some people like salt. Some people like a lot of salt. But nobody wants that. Other thing is, know your limitations. Know your limitations. What does that mean? All right. If you don't have the tools and things ready for or the knowledge to you know experiment with experienced cuts of meat don't waste money don't start off with trying to cook a brisket don't do that especially a prime cut brisket be like yeah I'm gonna cook this brisket because I, I got a green egg don't make the don't make the mistake of thinking that you got this really expensive cooker and it's no matter what you do it's going to compensate for your lack of understanding how the science of grilling works don't do that don't subject yourself to that type of disappointment please know your limitations if you know you can't cook fish on the grill don't do it if you know you're going to burn the hell out of a steak or chicken don't do it sometimes you have to learn but I'm telling you, know your limitations. If you can just do burgers and hot dogs, stay in your lane and do a lot more research before you venture out to do expensive cuts of meat. Your pocket will love you, the people that you feed will love you, and you will love yourself in turn. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the Grilling 101 series three installments all right first one was find the right grill for you the second was finding the right tools for the job and the third this one is the tips and tricks i hope that all of this information helps you get to a place if you're not already there of being confident with yourself to where you can make the best grilled or smoked meats or vegetables or whatever that you can possibly produce and feed to your loved ones okay so if you like the show please share and subscribe there is also a way to uh, support the show if you go to the anchor public page of the podcast and I will actually put that link in there you can donate uh, on a subscription basis it doesn't matter how much you want I'm not asking 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 but if you can and keep me at the ability to bring you high quality type content please 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 support the, the you know the podcast until next time I send you all the blessings and good vibes in the world and please get on that grill and make magic happen Oh, yeah.